If you love the History Extra podcast, make sure you follow us to keep up to date and get all the latest episodes. Thanks for your support, and I do hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And Lister felt she too was God's creation, and that was that. And God made her nature like this. She desired women. Um, from early on, she knew that she was different. That was Angela Stidella talking about Anne Lister, who's been described as the first modern lesbian. listening to the History Extra podcast from BBC History magazine. We're the UK's best-selling history magazine, available across the globe in print and digital formats. Find out more at historyextra.com forward slash subscribe, or look out for us in your digital newsstand or app store. Hello and welcome to the History Extra podcast. I'm Rob Attar, the editor of BBC History magazine. This weekend saw the start of a new historical drama on BBC One, Entitled Gentleman Jack, the eight-part series tells the story of the 19th century gay pioneer Anne Lister. While Anne's life has also been the subject of a recent biography by the writer Angela Stidella. And we caught up with her a little while back to discover the remarkable story behind the drama. Putting the questions to Angela was our section editor, Ellie Cawthorn. And I should just mention that the interview does contain some rather frank discussion of sexual activity. Could you tell us about Anne's diary the kind of stuff it includes, and how it was discovered and decoded. <laughs> Actually, it's a miracle that these uh, 24 volumes survived at all. And Lister wrote a diary um, for all of her life, parts of it in code, and this is the most interesting part because um, she wrote down all the many affairs with other women she had. She hid everything in script, in, in her secret alphabet. When she died, uh, she had not burned them because she died suddenly in 1840 when traveling Georgia, which was then Tsarist Russia. And so the um, diaries survived and were put together with um, all kinds of old papers in Shipton Hall because Anne Lister had been the mistress of Shipton Hall near Halifax. And um, Shipton Hall with all these papers went to a uh, the Welsh branch of the Lister family and a John Lister, kind of a nephew of her, but very uh, distant relative, was the first to go through these papers in the end of the 19th century. And he found them extremely interesting and made um, a series in the Halifax Guardian, Halifax 50 years ago. 
um, it ran for three years and had uh, 100 articles or more even. And all the time, he was also interested what had Anne Lister written down in code, but uh, he couldn't decipher it. So he asked a friend, Arthur Burrell, who knew more about um, these things, and he guessed the, let the equivalents for H and E. And then they found a scrap of paper and listed had, he had written on, in God is my, and the next word was coded. And so they knew it must be hope. And they had four letters and only needed the rest of the night uh, to find out what Anne Lister had written in code. And what they then found out was that Anne Lister had almost seduced every woman of her acquaintance and written in lust and pleasure about that. No guilt, no lesbian self-hatred, uh, no desperation, but having fun. And so the friend, Arthur Burrell, advised John Lister to burn these diaries immediately. But uh, John Lister did not. He had the feeling these diaries are bigger than we are and we may not um, burn them what he did, in fact, was uh, hiding them, actually creating a kind of closet for them, a literary closet in Shipton Hall, um, and but making sure that after his death, this closet will be discovered because he left open a window. So uh, later owners would wonder there is a window with no room to it. So he made sure uh, people understood there was something to be discovered. And so after his death, when Shipton Hall went to the Halifax Corporation, the municipal librarian, uh, Edward Green, found this closet and discovered the, the diaries. And he asked this old friend, Arthur Burrell, for help with the code. And since then on, in every generation in Halifax, two or three people knew about Anne Lister's diaries. But... Uh, we had to wait up until the women's movement of the 1970s and the 1980s that the audience, not only in Halifax, but in all over England and the world, was prepared what was to come. It was Helena Whitbread, um, the great pioneer of uh, and Lister scholars, who um, was the first to publish extracts of Anne Lister's diaries with transcriptions of the coded passages. Uh, so in from 1988 on, the world knew what was really interesting in Anne Lister and what was uh, what made her the first modern lesbian, as you may say. Yeah, that leads me on quite nicely to my next question, which was why was the discovery of Anne's diaries, um, which sounds incredibly exciting the there is this um legend that in only in research of the late 19th and 20th century that women never desired women physically there is this um term of a romantic friendship um implying that, okay, there might have been some women in the romantic period or regency period that um, somehow liked each other, but for sure um, they never felt any physical attraction. Obviously, this was not true. Just think of um, the poems of Sappho. So from antiquity on, we have um, uh, uh, many sources that women loved women not only uh, in a friendship way, 
But somehow the research that had been done in the US and in Britain had a missing link. And uh, this missing link turned out to be Alistair's diaries because she, for the first time, spoke directly of sex with another woman to an English-speaking audience. They have been compared to the Rosetta Stone of lesbian history, making it clear, okay, um, romantic friendship was the false concept. Could you tell us a bit more about Anne herself, um, a bit about her life and some of the relationships which she had with women? Anne was of landed gentry, but her father was um, a younger brother of the single heir. So um, he, the, her father had to go to the army and the family was not well off. Anne Lister always was an aristocratic snob, but money was always scarce. And that remained the problem throughout her life, even uh, when she became herself mistress of Shipton Hall, because four, all her four brothers died. You have to imagine that. And then it was her, the eldest daughter, um, who inherited Shipton Hall. That made life easier for her, but money was still scarce. So she dreamt of um, marrying a very pretty, very young, um, very rich woman who would even be willing to look up to her. Now, that was impossible. So uh, when she was in her 40s, she decided, okay, um, the one and only I won't find. Let's see what's left. And so she uh, uh, married Anne Walker, who was um, not aristocratic, but who had more money than Anne Lister herself, and who was willing to marry her and live with her in Shipton Hall. We don't always realise just how much our negative thoughts and experiences stick with us and weigh us down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mum does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it. So your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapists anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash history extra today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash history extra. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash history extra just go to indeed.com slash history extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed um, you spoke a little bit earlier about um, how Anne viewed her own sexuality, but I wonder whether you could um, tell us a bit more about that um, and how it connected with other things such as her religious views and um, her kind of views about society more generally. 
that is really remarkable because um, I already said there is no self-hatred or anything at all like this in her diaries. And Lister felt she too was God's creation and that was that. And God made her nature like this. She desired women um, from early on. She knew that she was different. Actually, the term she gave herself was odd, and she's speaking about her oddities when she is talking about loving women, feeling like a gentleman, having a kind of masculine air about her. This is really unique, and this is why it is fair to talk of her uh, like being the first modern lesbian in that sense. Because there have been um, homosexual acts all through history, but the awareness of being different is the modern part of it. So um, historians tend to say this happened in the late 19th century, this awareness of homosexuals of being different and so on. So um, letting your sexuality give you an identity. And And Lister is an early proof of this development. She really, a big part of her identity from her sexuality of loving women and in a positive way. And um, this makes her really remarkable. You spoke there a bit about labelling in things like this. Um, And and recently there was a plaque unveiled to Anne Lister um, in York. And there was some controversy around the wording of the plaque because it didn't use the word lesbian. I just wondered what your take on that was and how we go about applying labels such as maybe lesbian to historical figures um, who might not have used those terms themselves. You're completely right when you say, um, in other words, it is complicated. Yes, it is. Uh, as I said before, Anne Lister told herself, um, odd, she never used the term lesbian. Um, it's curious, she knew of the term sapphic, but what she meant by that um, is very funny. She thought of it uh, of having sex with the help of a dildo. And this, she thought, being unnatural while her own sexuality without dildo was natural. So um, she would never have called herself a sapphist. Like, for example, that was the term Virginia Woolf uh, uh, is using when she's talking about Vita Sackville West. So uh, it is right. Um, lesbian is not the right word um, in, for Anne Lister's days. There is this huge problem of lesbian invisibility. As a kind of an emancipation act, today we should not leave out the term lesbian when we uh, celebrate her. Could you tell us a bit more about how Anne was viewed by others at the time and how aware were people of her sexuality? This is also very remarkable uh, about her life. Anne made sure that people got to know something because she was always wearing black, which was very um, uncommon for a woman of her age. And uh, that was a very strong signal to her contemporaries that she was kind of different. She told people that she would never marry a man, meaning, and that she uh, longed for a female companion living with her in Shipton Hall. And the people uh, of her acquaintance around Yorkshire 
knew quite a lot about her affairs. That was something you would not talk about. There was no word for it and there was no concept for it. So um, she got away with it surprisingly well. There were physical attacks attacks from um, people she met on the street. She got uh, anonymous letters warning her, mocking her, but she was protected by um, her family and being of landed gentry, being mistress of Shipton Hall. Um, and then later on, also with the money of the, the money of Anne Walker also um, gave much security. I mean, these two women living together in Shipton Hall were really a challenge to Halifax society. When Anne Walker moved in, people realized, okay, this is something unusual. But these two women were brave enough to, to rent a church pew in the first row and go to service together. So they faced their opponents. And this makes them kind of a heroine couple in the lesbian emancipation movement. Could you speak a bit about what it meant to be a woman at the time and how Anne flew in the face of that? <laughs> yes, she challenged them all, uh, not only uh, is concerning her sexuality. As the daughter of a gentleman, she was supposed to marry a man, and if not, chase at home and care for her father. She left that latter um, obligation to her younger sister, and as mistress of Shipton Hall, which was un unusual in itself, only very, very few women of that age um, really owned property. She um, invested money, so, so she was an entrepreneur of her own. She dug um, two coal mines on her property. She had a stone quarry. She opened doing business. Being a businesswoman was also uh, very much of a challenge for her contemporaries. As well as Anne Walker, who Anne eventually ended up with, who were some of the other women that she had relationships with? It began with Eliza Rain, whom she met in school, in York, in a boarding school. Eliza was uh, half Indian, half British, and now, quote, the most beautiful girl I ever saw, Anne Lister wrote, after 30 years and many, many other lovers later. So she really made an impression on her. They changed rings and vowed to stay together forever, but forever meant four or five years for Anne Lister. Then she um, fell in love with Isabella Norcliffe, also from an aristocratic Yorkshire family and had more to offer than the illegitimate child um, of an English doctor. That was Eliza Rain. Um, but Isabella Norcliffe made the mistake to introduce her best friend, Mariana Belcombe, to Anne. And Anne Lister fell in love with Mariana Belcombe, and she was she became the sweet little creature. That was a quote that really was the hardest to leave, so to say, for Anne Lister. Anne Lister actually never said farewell to the to um, a lover. She um, went on having sex with Mariana and Isabella, for example, um, at the same time for 15 years. Both women thought they were the only one, and both women thought to eventually marry 
and when she one day would have inherited this um, Shipton Hall. But that didn't come out when Anne Lister finally inherited Shipton Hall. She thought, oh, now I'm going to find something better. And she looked out for um, higher aristocracy all over Europe, especially in France, where she had several affairs. Women from Scottish aristocracy, um, just ordinary uh, women she met in in Paris, widows, um, she liked them being small and girlish and cute and um, obedient. Was Anne in a unique position because she came from the landed gentry in that she was able to indulge her, her desires in a way that other people might not have been able to? If you read these diaries, um, you get bored on page two. Because Anne Lister wrote down literally everything and anything that concerned her. And it grew more and more uh, like a, to an obsession uh, the older she got. So um, from uh, how is the political situation of Prussia in Europe today to cutting her foot nails, there is everything of canal tolls and young Queen Victoria and that sweet little milk girl I talked to this morning. And um, it's uh, sometimes it resembles a stream of consciousness um, and full of information you do not need. And Lister would not hesitate to put to write down for the 200th time what time she managed to go from Shipton Hall to church. Was it seven minutes ten or was it eight minutes three? She herself got lost in her diary. So she um, made indices of all volumes. You could make a climate uh, statistics of Yorkshire um, of the early 19th century out of her diaries. But this all is not um, as interesting and um, hot as what she is telling us about her sexual life. And this is the aspect which renders um, her diaries unique. She gave life to everything in the, in the act of writing. Uh, living without writing was incomplete to her. See, she's quoting her orgasms and the orgasms of her partner. She give, she's giving credits. Was it good? Was it, uh, was it not so good? She gives us exactly time and place. Um, we learn about a quickie. Um, she and Mariana needed during the, the day only seven minutes to close the door, um, to take off their clothes, have sex, um, put on their clothes again and um, open the door again. That was seven minutes. So um, we come so close into almost in a bit of the early 19th century as nowhere else. Men did not write so openly about their day-to-day -day sexual practices like Anne Lister. For sure, we do have the pornographic discourse since antiquity, but pornography belongs to literature and follows the rules of narration. So um, confessions on a non-literate level, like this of Anne Lister's, are extremely rare. And now it's not from a man, it's from a woman, and then even from a lesbian one. Um, <laughs> that's unique. 
That was Angela Stidella. Gentleman Jack is airing on Sundays on BBC One in the UK, and it's also showing on HBO in the US. Angela's book, also entitled Gentleman Jack, is out now, published by Serpent's Tale. And you can read a piece by Elian Angela in the June issue of BBC History magazine, which is currently on sale, and also contains articles on D-Day, Catherine of Aragon, Notre Dame Cathedral, and a whole lot more. Look out for it in all good retailers and our digital formats now. And that is about all for today, but do rejoin us on Thursday when we'll be talking to Virginia Nicholson about women in the 1960s. Thanks for listening to this History Extra podcast, which was produced by Ben Hewitt and Jack Bateman. You can catch up with past episodes on historyextra.com, where you'll also find thousands of articles on all different aspects of history, as well as our special subscriber-only area, the library. <laughs>